Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Hello, leader, and I'm honored to be with you today because this is a very special and unusual episode of the Still Space podcast, number 55, where I am interviewed by former nuclear submarine officer and president of Peak Demand, John Rennie. We're going to talk about leadership styles, executive presence, emotional intelligence, and advancing in your career. You know, much of leadership is understanding how to lead others, but none of that works if we don't first know how to manage ourselves, our doubt, assumptions, expectations, temper, ego, disappointment, fears. And in this episode, we talk about my story, how I was able to get to my first C-suite role as a president, We discuss what you do when you feel stressed, how to manage yourself when you feel small within a group of talented peers, how to self-regulate fear when it becomes an interloper to strategic execution. So listen in. There are some great nuggets here. John is a wonderful leader himself, having been in the military, an officer in a submarine as well as being a turnaround expert in many organizations and managing up to 600 people at a time. So listen in. I think you'll enjoy this one. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today I'm joined by Mary Lee Gannon. Mary Lee is an executive coach on a mission. She went from being on welfare, homeless, and without a car to quickly becoming a CEO of a $33 million organization. In that process, she learned that working harder is not the only necessary strategy to advance in your career. She now helps leaders get off the treadmill to nowhere, to become respected, advance in their careers, and prioritize well-being in her five-star leadership formula. I'm excited to have her on the show to learn how we can all get off that treadmill to nowhere. So Mary Lee, welcome to the show. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an honor. It's an honor to meet you. And I'm, I'm excited to hear your story and to learn from your experiences. But I first wanted to get you know started with that introduction. So uh, tell us your story. How did you go from being on welfare to being a CEO of a $33 million organization? That is not normal. <laughs> so I thought I would give you a chance to talk a little bit about how, how you go about doing that. Sure. I was uh, I was a stay-at-home mom of four children under seven years old, living what would look like on the outside to be the country club life. And on the inside, it was an unpalatable situation. So I filed for divorce as a leap of faith, and I was not at all prepared for the avalanche that befell me. 
I had co-signed loans for my ex-husband's businesses. And when I filed for divorce, he defaulted on all those loans, which then took all of our marital property, our home, the cars, everything went down in the bankruptcy. And then he just opened up another business, bought the assets in a straw company out of the bankruptcy and operated the same business in the next week under a different name. Meanwhile, the children and I are homeless on welfare, food stamps, medical assistance without an automobile. And it was scary. And I knew I didn't have time to go back to school. And for a while, I thought chasing him through the courts was going to give a self-employed man without a conscience some accountability, but that's not wasn't the case, I found. Mm. So I quickly, but after a lot of despair and woe is me and all of the martyrdom and I was a good wife, I'm a good person, how did this happen to me? Finally, I said, I'm not wasting any more time. I had lost all money that I had on lawyers. And I, the only time I won is when I defended myself in court because he had appealed a child support and alimony award of $269 a week for the five of us. Mm. So I really had to assess my signature strengths. And I work very hard with my clients on this because if you don't know what you're good at and only you can do, excuse me, then you can't differentiate yourself because everybody is working hard at a certain level and especially in the C-suite, everybody's working hard. So I looked at what I was good at. I had the humility to say, I'm trying to improve my life. If you are if you can help me, I will show up 150% and get the job done. And people started recommending me for interviews. And I went on an interview for a president of a hospital foundation position. And I had not ever worked in any other roles in there as an event planner or a major gifts officer or a CFO or a COO. But I had raised money as a volunteer that exceeded what that whole hospital had raised the year before. And they hired me. And I so did not know what I was going to do that I went right from that interview to the book at the bookstore and bought fundraising for dummies because I had to figure out, okay, now how am I going to structure this? But they weren't asking me to do surgery. So I figured I could figure it out. And that's that ability to be fearless, not reckless. Okay. I say successful people have a couple of qualities. One is fearless, not reckless. And they're willing to ask questions or figure it out. Many times leaders are just too afraid to look like they don't know. I think that's a mistake. Yeah. Show the humility and grow. And from there, I raised a lot of money there. And then I got recruited out to other hospitals and, you know, recruiters call me. And I'm profoundly grateful for that. I think there was a lot of art, a lot of science, and a lot of faith that came together to make all those things happen. One of the things that's interesting you said is that you assessed your strengths. And, and I think that's really important. And I, and I, I like when, when people think about their, their talents stack or their strength stack or the experience stack. And you said, well, I've raised money you know, as a volunteer before. Therefore, I have this skill stack. I have this interesting skill set, right? And 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 then you applied it to you know just having the the, the basic you know necessary ingredients to get to that first step and to move into that new role. And I think we don't do that enough to sit back and assess what are our strengths, what what are our experiences, what makes us 
special and unique, right? Because at, at we get to a certain point in age, we've done a lot of things in our lives and we've got some experiences and we have a unique talent stack that, that's different from everybody else. And I think that's really interesting. What you said is that you assessed your strength. What, where, where am I, what am I good at? It's, it's so important, John, because leaders sometimes doubt themselves. And when they doubt themselves, they've forgotten what about them is really important and unique. And, you know, we, we sort of think, oh, well, if I look at myself as I have this great strength, that'll be shining a light on me. So what? Mm. You know, we, we need to be able to self-promote. That does not mean bravado. That does not mean that you're sickeningly overcompensating with how good you are. It's a knowing and a confidence in what you do. You know, but confidence and co- self-esteem are different. Well, you can be confident, but if you don't feel you belong, that self-esteem part is really important. I mean, I remember the first week on my job in that first CEO role, I had no idea how to create a budget. I had to walk down the hall to the marketing director and say, do you mind sharing me with me what your budget is so that I can look at it? Because, you know, then I went through it. Oh, yeah, printing, I'll need that. And because if you ask people to help you with the things you don't know, they will help you if you pretend like you know everything and you don't show up at your best. Yes. And it, it and that's self-sabotage. So you have to have that humility to stand naked with your vulnerability and say, I don't know this part, but I really am wicked smart at this part. Yes. And in order yes. to be good at this, I'll have to fill in. And it's the same with hiring, John. I always hire people that are really good at the things I'm not. Yes. And then I get out of their way. Yes. Because if I mirror myself and the people I hire, they're just yes people, I still don't have the person who's good at X strength that is not one of mine strengths. I love that. I know my first my first plant management experience, I was 32 years old, got my first manufacturing plant. And I, I remember being in that corner office thinking I had to have all the answers. And and what my experience over that three years in that first uh, manufacturing, you know, leader role like that was that all the answers existed within my team. I just had to be smart enough to ask the questions and be and, and also shut up and listen and, and and you know and 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 take that input in and be able to apply it to the decision making I was making. So I think it's uh, I think there's something valuable in being able to ask questions and being willing to reach out and say, hey, I don't know this part really well. Help me out. You're the expert here. Show me the way. You bring up a really good point, though, about asking questions. Yeah. Asking the right questions. I think that is a skill in and of itself. Are you somebody that you're in a meeting and everybody's going around and there could be posturing there. You've you've been in those meetings, the person who talks just to hear themselves talk and you're going around the room and you're sitting there nervous about what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And and adopting more of a thinking environment where you're not worried about what you're going to say. You're going to listen to what everybody else says and then construct what you're going to say. Mm. Best ask rather than saying something Socratically, you're going to ask the questions that nobody has asked before. And that really positions you as somebody who is taken in the 30,000 foot view instead of the five foot view. So I think it's really insightful that you would be able to get out of your team what you need by asking the right questions. Yes. Yeah. I think it, I think it's part of it. I think, I think we, we, 
we we want to place it as ego thing that we want to show that we have all the answers, but I think that's not helpful. <laughs> if especially if we have experts around us that can help us, right? So we should rely on our teams. I, I think that's a great point. Um, so where do you focus your attention as an executive coach? I am very focused on helping leaders be their best, but also managing their well-being because I think the two go in tandem. So I've been coaching for a long time and people come to me because their team isn't responding or they're not feeling valued at work or they're not getting promoted. They're not feeling recognized. And as we're talking, inevitably, life is whole life, right? It's not segmented to, I just have this problem with this one person at work. Now we're starting to notice that you know, my relationship with my partner is strained. My children don't reach out to me anymore. And I, I'm not exercising. I, I've kind of let that go by the wayside. I'm binge eating in my office. There's candy in my drawer all the time. And we have to see the whole picture. So most of my clients know that. They, they come to me for that reason. And they're in executive level positions where they can't afford to allow themselves and their executive presence to be compromised because then it looks like they can't do their job. Right. And the relationships that are falling apart at home are now starting to fall apart within their colleagues. They're not being perceived as very effective. People aren't trusting them. And we really work to diffuse what is the emotion here that we really need to process through so that we can create new thoughts to replace the assumptions that are playing in our head like a broken record. Interesting. So, um, yeah, I, it's interesting because I, I think you're right. And I've had other guests on the show. We talked about this idea of being um, not bringing your whole self to work where you're where you're um, you're not you're not the same person at, at home as you are at work. And and you have this uh, you have the split personality, if you will, or you're dealing with you've got stress in one place and stress the other. And so you bring, so you're not, you're not a whole person. So this, you're constantly fighting this work-life balance concept, right? Where at work, you know, I work hard and then, you know, at home I'm, I'm relaxed. And the thing is, one of the things I've learned just in becoming an entrepreneur is now I don't really have to worry about that work-life balance. I, I'm, I'm living my life the same way at home as I am at work. I, this is just my life. It's not a work-life balance. It's just one life that I live. And I think that's, that's something I've figured out the past seven years. And when I do that, it's easier. I'm not even thinking about work-life balance. It's all one life I live. And I think that's that's the part I came to in the past seven years, which was nice. That's that's life integration. Yeah. That, that is where everything's integrated. So you're showing up at work the same way you're showing up at home, the way you're showing up if you go to the gym, the way you're showing up for your extended family, the way you're showing up for the interests that you're involved in in your community. It isn't, uh, I have to be this here, and yes. then I come home and have to be this. And and that really comes from a, a awareness of self really knowing who you are and not having to put it on depending on the situation, not feeling like a chameleon that has to adapt. Now, I think adaptability and agility is really key in leadership, especially today. 
being able to adapt to an environment is far different than you having to put on a different persona to work in this situation. Right. And, uh, you know, the way you're describing it is really a gift and bravo to you. <laughs> well, but it took me leaving corporate where I felt like I sort of had to be a certain way at work to comply with the world of corporate life, you know, and I think when I, and, and, and I realized that I had that problem. It's part of the reason I left corporate is I felt like I was being a, a different person at work than I had to, than I was the way I was running my companies the way they wanted me to run it, not the way I wanted to run it. And I think that when I felt that, I was like, I got to do something different. This is not who I am, you know, and I think that's- you bring up a really good point yeah. though, for people who are looking to move to a new company, yeah. you really need to go to the website and look up the company values because yeah. you'll be able to see it very clearly if they value your independence, your authenticity, yes. uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It'll be stated high in the list yes. of values. Yeah. And then you can do things like go to Glassdoor or LinkedIn and look, to, are they really living those values? Because yeah. you can make a mistake just in the organization you choose, not the role you choose. You want to choose an organization that aligns with what matters to you and prioritizes well-being and life integration. Yes, I love that. I love that. So one, one of the things you do is you help people uh, get off that treadmill to nowhere. Uh, I like that analogy. I think of like the gerbil on the, the wheel, not going anywhere. Um, but you help people, uh, uh, you know, advance in their careers, get off the treadmill. What keeps people from uh, from advancing, from, from getting stuck in that loop? It's usually a blind spot that mm. they don't see. So, and that is a behavior, right? But behind the behavior is an emotion that is making them really uncomfortable. And behind that is an assumption. Mm. And that assumption sounds something like this. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. But we really don't want to feel the discomfort of that. So we armor up and show up with this false persona that we, we can't maintain because it's not authentically who we are. So how that affects performance in the workplace is I'm not a risk taker. I will not uh, speak up at a meeting. I don't want to share my idea. And then you're sitting there saying, you know, that idea that that person just came up with, I, was, I thought that too, but yeah. I wish I had said it. And so you become small, worse yet, you teach people to see you as small. Mm. And and that right there, 99% of people don't see themselves doing that. And so now the results that are showing up are, I'm not getting promoted, I'm not getting hired, I'm not getting called back. And then the blame and complaint starts. This organization doesn't recognize me. I'm, you know, a, a myriad of complaints. Right, right. And now you've externalized everything. It's all out there and it's just distanced me farther from the emotion that is uncomfortable for me to process, stemming from that assumption of I'm not something enough. Mm -hmm. And you, you can't just, you know, as a coach, 
I take very seriously. I can teach you the things that you need to know. You can also learn those in management school. You learn those in business school. You can read those in books. But my expertise is in let's get at what's in the way, because once we can get that out of the way, most people can find what is authentic to them and shine. Mm. But until you think of every bad boss you've ever had, there's something they're afraid of, right? They're afraid of either being perceived as ineffective, judged for not being educated enough or experienced enough. And then they self-sabotage, we self-sabotage with these play small or overcompensate, overbearing behaviors that just kill our executive presence. So you have to find dig down and be comfortable with what is underneath there and how do we manage when that emotion gets triggered because that thing that has been present there for a long time there are triggers that will trip that and Mm. when you have a practice to ground yourself and say oh yeah that's me just being my chicken little self or that's me just being my overbearing. Yeah, I do that sometimes. It's far cry different than saying, can't I stop doing that? Mm. Can't I stop doing that? That's more discomfort, right? That's I'm being inept. But when you have a practice that, yeah, sometimes this happens, it's part of humanity and I know what to do with it. That's power. Mm. Yeah. I love what you say because I saw a lot of fear-based actions, I guess, from managers when I was in my 22 years in corporate, I saw a lot of fear and it it was, and it manifested itself in different strange behaviors from managers, but it was always fear-based. It was like, like the, the manager who never left his office and was always, you know, whenever he had a meeting, he would bring people to his office. He would never get out of his office, but it was, it was a fear because it was a fear of, well, I don't want to, you know, walk around and not really know what's happening in my company or not really knowing the answers or, so I could tell, I mean, you know, it was actually something I worked for, but it was fear-based. He, he was just, you know, if you want, if you wanted to, he never came to my operation. He, you know, he was, uh, he was my manager and he was in a different location. He never came in the five years I worked for him. He never came to, to the operation that I ran, uh, except for like one time there was a VIP visit and he just showed up. But, uh, and anytime we had a meeting, he had to go to his office, he had to shut the door. It was always private. And it was just a, but it was definitely based on fear, like fear of not wanting to, look stupid or not, you know, having the answers or what have you, but, um, fear plays a big role. And I noticed that with a lot of other managers, fear plays a big role in their behaviors. And I think what you're saying is that we've got to find where that fear is coming from, identify it and actually be aware of it so that when we see ourselves doing those behaviors that are not helpful to our career, that we recognize it and say, okay, I'm just being I'm, I'm being a wuss here. I need to get out of my office and go talk to people. And guess what? Maybe I don't know the answers and that's okay. You know, what you're saying is so important because you're right behind every bad behavior is a fear. Mm. And usually it's stemming from our own ego. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's not a time to say, Oh, there's that fear. I want to fight that fear. It's time to be gentle with ourselves. Yeah. Because, Our egos have kept us alive and still existing as a species, right? We're not extinct because we are very good at recognizing danger. Very good. Yes. Right? We know how to keep ourselves safe. Yes. But that safe 
behavior, especially at work, is not the person who advances in their career because they're looking for calculated risk takers. They're looking for people who can strategically execute with vision, right? So you're not going to do that if you're fear-based. And our egos are really just trying to keep us safe. And when we understand that, then we cannot hate ourselves for feeling that fear. Because once we can accept that that fear is present and think about where's that coming from? Oh, yeah, you do that. And I did this in this instance, too. Deep breath. Yeah. And delineate the difference between what's a truth and what's an assumption. It's an assumption that these people aren't going to like my presentation. It's true that I'm really well prepared for it. Mm. You know, so that's where you start to broaden the perspective between that sticky thought that keeps inserting itself in our head and really what the truth is in humanity. And the world gets a little broader and not so finitely into, I'm being persecuted here, I'm going to be threatened here, I I might lose my job. And then you go down the rabbit hole, if I lose my job, my family won't respect me, I won't have any respect in the community, I might lose my house. And even though you don't think this on the surface, that's in the back of the mind constantly playing small in your behavior. Yeah. Yes. I, I see that a lot. Um, so playing big, uh, you mentioned executive presence. I think that's a great term. Um, how would you define executive presence and how do we appear bigger and not smaller in, in our mm-hmm. roles uh, in our organizations to be able to be recognized for what our strengths are? I think first we have to accept that we are born whole and big. Hmm. We're just already there, right? We're already there. And then we take in these experiences from our lives and they create filters over our genuine wholeness and goodness and braveness and courageousness and wonder, right? And so the person with executive presence has figured out how to take all those filters and put them down, knowing that they're still sometimes there and inching in once in a while, but they know what to do with them such that they can show up as not an emotional leader, show up as free thinking, show up as inquisitive, show up as not having it all figured out, but with certainty. Now, you can be certain that you don't know the answer, right? Mm -hmm. Certainty doesn't mean always being right. That need to be right has started every war, every conflict, every whatever that has ever existed in all of time. The need to be right is the ego saying you're not enough. Get out there, put yourself out there. You have to have power down. We have to say, I see you. I see you there. And I've got this. And that takes practice, mindful practices to to give yourself room to step out in front of all of the smoke and mirrors of the filters that have been in front of you. So when you walk into a room with 15 people, you know somebody has executive presence by their body language, by the way they speak, by their humility, by their genuinely curious nature. 
They're there to take in the world and learn and grow. They're constantly on a trail of knowledge mm. of how they can be better, how they can serve, how they can be servant leaders. Sometimes they have to be more difficult if they're dealing in a, in a tough situation, but they're always doing it from a place of love. They're not there to hurt or yield power. Um, I think power is an important thing to have when you're trying to get out of a difficult situation. So I don't say power is a bad thing, but when you use that as a need, mm. uh, I think you're going to self-sabotage around that. I think that we have to find our own empowerment by being more true to who we are and, again, working on those filters and knowing what to do when they're triggered. It's interesting you say that because I think you're right. I think the people that we like to work with that might be in authority over us are, are people that feel real and genuine, that they yeah. are having real and genuine, you know, uh, uh, reactions to issues. You know, I think I've worked for some bosses that are sort of fake and they're always pulling the, well, we've got to get to double the EBIT this year and we're going to do whatever it takes. And you're like, okay, but you know, that's not happening, right? Like, you know, you see you're. <laughs> You know, it's but it's it's like they 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 try to they're trying to fake. It's almost like they're trying to pair, play a caricature of a boss versus being Great a real point. Boss. And um and and I think that they when you when you are that way, you don't have the influence over others than if you are more genuine, saying yes, I understand that, but here's 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 some things that we can be doing to actually get close to that objective. And, 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 and that's why I believe that it's still, it's still something we can do. And here's, here's my thoughts on it, but just having that, um, you know, being able to recognize, you know, that you maybe have some doubters in the room, but instead of, instead of acknowledging their feelings mm -hmm. and, and having a genuine reaction to those, but, but just, just to sort of overbear us, well, that's what we're going to do. That's, you know, the direction. And I think you're right. I think, I think the people that are, uh, more, in, in, more authentic, to, to their true selves and, and can have, like I said, have that ability to read the room, to be able to recognize the, the, the fears or recognize the concerns and being genuinely like, look, I'm, I, like you said, out of love, I want to, I want to make this happen, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and here's, here's how we can do it. And what do you think? And, you know, I, I remember I had a boss the one time that said, and it was interesting because, um, at first I, uh, I didn't like it, but he he said to me, uh, I presented a business plan to him as a new boss, and he said, that's great, but what can you do to double your business? And I remember oh. being offended by that. Like, I've given you a good plan. It's a 10% yeah. growth over whatever. And 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 but but he was genuine, like curious. He's like, but what but what could you do to double the business? Like, like if you had an unlimited budget, what would what were the things you'd do to double the size of the business? And it was a great exercise because it, it got me thinking differently, you know, and it was, he, he didn't have the answers, but he had a good question and he was willing to, you know, out of curiosity, seek out some different answers and different thoughts. Really I, good I love that idea. Yeah. And not knowing the answer. He didn't have the answer. He didn't have the answer. Yeah. Which I love. The right question. Yeah, exactly. And be willing to be curious and just throw it out there and, um, and just yep. with a smile, you know, like, what would you do to double the business? You know, and it's, I think that's what you're talking about, like executive presence. That's, that's someone that's being big and thinking big. Yeah. And, and yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. People trust, people are drawn to people with executive presence hmm. because there's a, a trust factor. There's an innate trust factor because those people 
trust themselves. Yeah. Right? So yeah. when you trust yourself, others will trust you. If you're putting on a cloak of I need this persona when I'm at work, yeah. or if you're not, if you don't have a self awareness and an acceptance of self, you're you're fighting yourself, and it, you're the phoniness is able to be seen and introspectively, yeah. intuitively, they can feel it. Yeah. So you have to get all of that nonsense that I call it head trash out of the way. Mm. Even if, if you don't know what it is, you know, you have to uncover that and sit with the discomfort long enough to realize this is just my imagination. Yes, yes, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we we talked touched on it a little bit. Um, we talked about it before we even started the show, but um, emotional intelligence. How does that play into it? Um, is there ways? Because I think that now more and more, I think leaders with emotional intelligence are, are going to be essential for the workforce, the future. Um, I saw a lot of leaders in my career had zero emotional intelligence, <laughs> but I mean. Where do you start? I mean, you know, if you're coaching a client, you recognize, oof, this guy or gal has got a problem with emotional intelligence. Where do you even start with with that process to be able to help them sort of see how they are impacting others that they may not be able to see? It's a really good question. You become a shepherd and you develop trust and you start to help them discover what they don't realize about themselves. Like mm. if you were to ask anybody on the street, what are your values? The average person doesn't know, right? So what do you value? What are the things that nobody can take away from you that are intrinsically part of your soul? Everybody, first thing people will say is family, right? Mm. Okay, so yes, we value family. Do you value sense of humor? Do you value creative freedom, authenticity, structure, life integration? What, what are the things that are really important to you in the people that you like, right? So that'll help you determine your values. And from there, we go through lots of assessments, et cetera, what are your strengths? And this is this stuff is not difficult to figure out. There are all kinds of links free on the internet where you can figure out a little bit about your strengths. Okay, now I'm starting to build a profile of myself. And sometimes it gets emotional for people because nobody's really asked them this much about themselves in the past. Uh, yeah. and, and they start to see all of these things that they haven't paid attention to while they've been listening to the ego tell them what they should doubt and what they should be afraid of. Right, right. Even though it's subliminal, it's still there. So now you've got your values. Now you have your strengths. Now you're starting to look at others and think about what they valued. You know how you noticed that one of your managers was fear-based? They're yeah. now able to see those things more in other people. Oh, nice. And then also able to understand more about themselves and how they're showing up. So it's usually a three-step process. We have to build self-awareness and then you build your ability to self-regulate because we're not, nobody's perfect. 
And we're never going to get rid of those sticky thoughts that sometimes get in the way, but we certainly can regulate what happens when they show up. And then you're in a place of self-empowerment. And this is where you're instinctively aware of the thought when it shows up, the filter that you typically lay over that, and how you might have in the past showed up with whatever behavior. Now you've made a different choice. Now you have power. You know how to control those thoughts and how to accept and process through those emotions so that they can flow through you and you can leave them behind. So now you're noticing when you go to a meeting, oh, you know, this person that's so angry that used to just grate on me like nails on a chalkboard, they're in pain. They're in pain. You know, that's what makes me sad that they're in pain. That doesn't mean I have to internalize and personalize their attacks on me like there's something wrong with me. Yeah. There's really something there bothering them, mm. right? So, so emotional intelligence helps you show up better and interpret situations not in a personal vendetta way, not in an attack, but more in a, now I can be my whole self as I was born to be with all the wonder that I have in me and uh, without all the filters. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I wish every leader could have that because <laughs> I think it's really important. <laughs> Well, it um, practice. It does practice. take practice. Absolutely. Um, you have a podcast. Uh, it's called The Still Space. Uh, what do you do on your podcast? So we talk about the exact scenarios that I'm talking about here. You're on your job, something like this happens, or you're at home and somebody says something. What can we do? How can we respond more appropriately? How do we show up authentically? And it's the practice of finding first the still space, that pause moment mm. where we can, you know, I talk about the pause cafe where we take a pause, P for pause, A, ask ourselves, what's going on here? Like, what am I feeling here that I really don't want to feel? U is understand the difference between what's an assumption and what's the truth. S is step back, allow for that pinhole view to open up a little more broadly, and E is Let's extend ourselves some compassion in this moment, not be hard on ourselves with, gee, I wish I could stop doing this. What's wrong with me? With, oh, yeah, I do this sometimes. And when we can extend ourselves compassion, we can then extend it to others. So that practices around that is a lot of what we do in the podcast. Oh, fantastic. That's great. It's, and, it, and I, you know, it's, a, it's, it's an, another element of leadership that, that we don't, you know, we talk about a little bit on this podcast when we have guests like you, but I think it's a really essential part of leadership and it's to be able to lead, leading yourself is a big part of uh, how you're going to be effective when you're leading others is to make sure you can lead yourself. And I think your, your podcast helps leaders lead themselves, it sounds like. I have to tell you, John, it, it was a pivotal change for me in my life and in my leadership. You know, I had had a lot of persecution early on in my um, parenting years and and throughout my divorce, which leaves you on guard all the time. Like, mm. when is the next ax going to fall? And I, because I'm very driven and I'm very strategic and a, a great executor, those are my strengths. I have weaknesses too, but I, I could get, I could get into the C-suite. I could, I, I could lead. I, but then I got there and I realized, oh, maybe people don't like me so much, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, because this sort of command and control style of leadership, and I 
I had a lot of expectations of people because I thought they were like me, driven and going to work hard. And, yeah, right, you know, and right. I had to manage different personalities and it wasn't working. And that's when I started to study what what is wrong here? What is not working? And I, you know, became certified and really high certifications and all kinds of things. But it really was a quest. It was really quite selfish on my part. I wanted to learn to be better for me. And in doing so, I became a much better leader, much more connected. Love came my way. I married again. My children and I are much closer back when I was more commanding control style leader. So I see realistically the benefit of knowing a different way, but we don't learn this in school. You have to seek this out yourself. And I think because it's so personal, that's why. It's not like I can pick up a book and figure out myself, right? And and I consider it a privilege to work with people to do that because I know how it can change people's lives. That's fan- fantastic. So important. So it's essential for leadership and, and in life, really, uh, essentially. Mm-hmm. So so that's fantastic. Mary Lee, um, this this has been fantastic. Great conversation. I really appreciate all that you've shared with us. How if people are listening in and they're like, wow, I gotta learn more. I wanna, I wanna connect with Mary Lee. I wanna, I wanna maybe have her help me uh get back on track. Uh, I'm stuck. Uh I need some help. How can people find you and learn about your services that you provide? Well, thank you for asking, John. Easily just go to my name, MaryLeeGannon.com. And actually right there on the top of the website is a really quick checklist Mm. to help you get valued, hired, promoted. It helps build your self-awareness. When you fill out this checklist, if you've checked seven or more items on it, you'll be able to see perhaps the blind spot of how you may be getting in your own way. I'm also on LinkedIn. I post daily on LinkedIn and a lot of followers there. Uh, So that's probably the best ways. Fantastic. We're going to go ahead and put links in the show notes for those resources in that checklist. Again, that'd be a helpful, a quick and helpful way to see where you might have some issues that you have to work on. So uh, go to Mary Lee's website. It's on the top of the website and you click on that. There's a quick checklist. You can go through it and you'll learn a lot about yourself through that process. And again, one of the things we like to do on the show is give you resources to help you become a better leader. This is a clear resource, free that you can go to and you can learn a lot about yourself through that process. Mary Lee, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your journey, sharing your experiences and giving us a lot to think about in terms of leading ourselves and being the best leader we can be. So thank you. It's an honor to be with you, John. Thank you for asking me. Thanks again. Okay, leader. Many of you have reached out and asked me what it's like to work with me in my Mindful Leader Satisfied Life Circle. So I'm going to give you a very brief overview of exactly what you get in working with me for that six-month program. You get transformation. You get walking into any room, any situation, knowing you belong, having control, having people come to you. But on a tangible basis, what does that look like? It starts with seven one-on-one laser-focused individual coaching sessions with me over six months, and then access to the six months of live weekly small group coaching calls 
And because you know I only coach a handful of people, sometimes there are only two or three people on those calls. Sometimes it's only you and me. So that's like another weekly coaching session. And you get to get the perspective of other executive leaders who are in the same place that you are. Get six-month access to my Mindful Leader Satisfied Life time-saving assets, trainings, modules, and all kinds of workbooks that personalize this to you. The self-discovery is inspiring. Can't wait to get on to the next module and see how much more self-control you'll have over those negative thoughts that have been holding you back. There's a private online community where we can share daily questions, but the special bonus is you have 24-7 email access to me. I'm your coach on call. You want me to look at your resume? I'm happy to. Any of the exercises that you're having difficulty with, you don't have to wait to the call. You just reach out to me and I will get back to you within 24 work hours. You're having a problem at work with somebody? I'm your coach on call. There's a leadership intake analysis that I read on my own time so that I can get more background on you, not have to use up your sessions with me. And exclusive to this program, Flow on the Go Weekly Planner, where you can track your routines, track your gratitude, track what's changing, what's showing up for you. Well, what does this look like over the six months, Mary Lee? Okay, number one, that first month, you notice your patterns, your habits. You start noticing the patterns and habits of others. You have defined your signature strengths and your personal values, and you're applying those. And now you're starting to dream again. You have a vision for yourself, for your career and your life. You've stopped judging yourself and others. In month two, this is where I've taught you how to self-regulate with curiosity. You process difficult and stale emotions and release them. You replace your stuck story with how you're not whatever enough. And you are now creating a career plan with confidence, feeling worthy. You have self-control over negative thoughts, over your behavior. And months three to six, you are playing blue sky big. You are soaring here. You are self-empowered. You execute your career and life plan. You shine, apply for stretch roles if that's what you want. You have better relationships and control over your food intake, your sleep, your exercise, your self-care. You have compassion for yourself. And you know that person that you really dislike? You actually have compassion for them. So there is a link in the show notes, maryleegannon.com slash consultation. Go ahead and apply. I will reach out. I'll set up a phone call with you. We can go over some of the details, but I'm interested in helping you be that mindful leader with a satisfied life. And there's no reason to wait because it happens quickly. I'm glad you were with me today. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. 